Okay, I'm recording. Yeah, that's so fine. That's however fine. you want to start. I'm... Hi, guys. Andy N, Spoken Label, back in the house. On Zoom again tonight and on my phone here. We've had some technical issues tonight. Got a very special guest with me today as well. A gentleman called Jeffrey Bryan, who's had quite an interesting career. So, Jeff, do you want to introduce yourself to everybody? Tell them who you are <laughs> and tell us where, where all your creativity originally started from. And we'll take it from there. Okay. Um, I'm Jeff. <laughs> I'm a musician in 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 uh, the United States. California is where I'm from. Um, you you uh, you want more <laughs> more detail? Uh, yeah, well, what we'll do is we'll go right back to the beginning for you, okay, Jeff? Because like I know you were born and raised in Los Angeles, yeah. weren't you? I'm. I'm. The thing um, is, I'm. I'm not used to um, introducing myself. I, I figured you had oh, some background yeah. on me. Oh. Um, right. Kind of, okay. I but that's okay. That. That's I, fine. Yeah. You. I, I. You can say whatever you want. But um. You know. I. I, I was uh, in the original Karate Kid. I'm the keyboard player for Survivor. Uh. We're gonna talk about his career or whatever. You know how he yeah, got yeah, from Karate fine. Kid to yeah. Survivor. Yeah. Yeah. Now. Um. Obviously, like I said I know currently you're the keyboard is a Survivor, and you've done plenty of other music as well. So I can see this reading up on you before. You've been a past, you've been a musical director and keyboardist for Clive Farrington oh, yeah. when in Rome. And you've played with the Keltel All Stars and world known percussionist CJ is it Raya, is it? Right. Okay, now. Yeah, right. Right. Well, I'd yeah. say that's dyslexic point. CJ Right. Yeah, he's a percussionist. Yeah. He's, he's a. You know, he's a kind of a well-known percussionist. I've heard, I know. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard of him. I've heard of him. Now, okay, where did him, obviously, when you got the role originally? Kid. You well, were, I think you were 15 at the time, weren't you, on that territory? Well, right? no, actually, um, I was uh, uh, kind of being sent out on acting roles when I was 15 and 16, uh, mostly because of singing and performing, which is what I was doing. I wasn't really an actor. That was not really my intention. Um, but back in those days, you know, acting and singing and performing they all kind of got lumped together and uh, I did the I did a show called uh, the Merv Griffin show which people would know who that was uh, it was sort of Johnny Par Johnny Carson's counterpart you know sort of uh, there was Johnny Carson there was Merv Griffin and I I was on that show I sang a song on that show and some people saw me and thought well you know we can make money on this kid he looks young and so they started sending me out on interviews and I was like whatever I wasn't really that interested, but you know, I, I was kind of kind of pushed to do it because it was why not? What do you got to lose? Kind of thing. So um, I was going out on interviews for for movies, you, you name it. I was I was out for Breakfast Club and Red Dawn and uh, you know um, just so so John Hughes films, all kinds of movies. I had auditioned for. I ended up landing a, a movie called Hot Moves, which um, I actually had a starring role in. And um, oh wow, it was just a small little budget, you know, kind of like a Porky's or a Fast Times at Ridgemont High kind of movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it so wasn't so. a great movie, uh, but <laughs> that year I was continuing to go on interviews, and I I uh, I got the interview for some movie called Karate Kid, and um, that was 1983, and at that time. At that time, uh, you know, Ralph Macho had done The Outsiders. We didn't know who was in the movie at the time. It was just, you know, a Columbia Pictures movie. It had a 
decent budget. There were some cool people attached to it, but I was told it was just going to be a two-week deal for me, and um, it turned out to be a six-month deal. They 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 booked me for two weeks, and then and then they extended my contract indefinitely, which on the one hand was a good thing, um, but on the other hand, it uh, it meant I did a lot of sitting around. The there there were parts and there were lines and some dialogue and some other scenes that didn't make it to uh, shooting. They were cut even prior to uh, me getting on set. So there were, uh, you know, so anyway, it was a, it was a strange experience. It was the biggest movie I never acted in (laughs) of my career. (laughs) Oh, a lot of ways say that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. Now obviously like I said at the time, obviously, we were talking obviously before we started recording and like obviously the Survivor obviously were featured in the soundtrack to the film and all these years later you ended up actually joining the band didn't you and I was I was saying to you before like you couldn't have ever envisaged you'd end up actually joining the band at that time could you all those years no. later yeah that's it was pretty remarkable I mean it it at the time you know Survivor we knew that we knew Survivor from the Eye of the Tiger from Rocky Three. And uh, it's not surprising that a lot of people that worked on the Rocky series were also working with the Karate Kid people because there were a lot of crossover. Uh, Jerry Weintraub, who produced Karate Kid, was involved with uh, John Avildsen, who, um, you know, got John Avildsen, who was the Rocky director, the original Rocky director, won an Oscar. And... um, so they wanted a lot of the similar there it's not it's not really an accident that there are a lot of correlations between Rocky and Karate Kid. They were trying to formula formulate it the same way. And uh musically this you know Bill Conti who wrote the score for Rocky was the same guy that wrote the score for Karate Kid and somebody's bright idea was well let's get let's get Survivor who did a, a Rocky song cuz it's it's big right now. It was 19 19- 82 when when Rocky 3 came out and so uh, there wasn't another Rocky yet so the big song was I the Tiger so they wanted to they they asked Survivor to do the song um, I you know uh, it, it kind of went over my head it wasn't something I was paying attention to until 30 years later <laughs> you know uh, wow. you know because uh, my career had you know I got back doing what I wanted to do after Karate Kid I started getting jumping more into music and doing the things that I had intended to be doing. Uh, and then 30 years later, I, I, I completely not connected to Karate Kid. It just so happened that I, uh, I was asked to be involved with Survivor. And it, I, I put the two together. I, I was doing my research with Survivor when I, was, when I first um, met them. And I forgot that the Moment of Truth, the song Moment of Truth, was the one of the theme songs for Karate Kid that was used in the trailer. And what's interesting about that is as I'm looking at their songs and doing some research, I notice I find the trailer, the actual movie trailer for uh, Karate Kid, and I'm in it. <laughs> so I'm, I'm by by virtue of being in the movie, I'm in the I'm in the video for the song Moment of Truth. And oh wow! And now now I'm playing <laughs> keyboards for that band. So it's it's like what, you know? Um, yeah, it's just it's incredible. Yeah, incredible I couldn't have planned like, that. I I mean that it's just very very 
Very, very interesting. I mean, if, if we if we have time, you know, depending on the conversation goes, there's been a lot of little twists and turns that are not, uh, you know, they have no, they defy logic in my career, especially with regard to Survivor. We've had a lot of, I've had a lot of near misses with them through the years that uh, didn't even oh, know. Have you really? Have you really? I didn't know that. All right. Wow. Yeah. Um, well, I'll, I'll, I can tell you a brief one. Um, for example, yeah, many yeah, years, please. many years after the Karate Kid, about 19, well, not many years, only a couple years, 1986, 1987, I was recording with my band called The Reach at a recording studio called Rumbo Recorders in Canoga Park. And what's special about Rumbo's recorder, Rumbo, the recording studio, is that it was owned by Daryl Dragon, who is Captain Tennille. He's the he's the captain and Captain Tennille. And he was, uh, you know, a very, very, not only an amazing keyboard player, but he was well known for having this amazing recording studio that, you know, Appetite for Destruction for Guns N' Roses was recorded there, and David Bowie recorded there, and, you know. Well, guess what? So did Survivor. And the year that <laughs> I, uh, Daryl was a really sweetheart of a guy, and he, he let my band record our demos there for free. And oh, uh, when we were walking in, it's very possible we could have, it was around the same time they were recording Vital Signs for Survivor, their album. Uh, and it's very possible that I could have been walking in that studio while they were walking out the day earlier or a day later, uh, you know, because oh, it was oh, right oh. around the same time. And also Daryl Dragon has, you know, played on, on many of their songs. So there's oh, there's wow. there's these weird little connections that I've sort of had through my life. It's not by the time I actually met them and was hired by them, I didn't put all those pieces together until I sat back and looked at the history and I was like, "Oh my god, how did I not meet these people earlier?" <laughs> I know it's, yeah, you can, I mean, life goes that way sometimes. Doesn't it? You have, you think sometimes it's like I've always been believed so I'm quite mystic and more in a few ways things come at the right time in your life when you're being creative it perhaps wasn't meant to be at that time because like it was like yeah. if people would research of you on this one you can see jeff how much stuff you've actually done really because i can see you've reading up on you like you've you've composed music for dozens of cable tv shows haven't yeah. you yeah, yeah. All kinds of shows. We don't know. I'm not going to run names them all because we're going to be No, no, you don't time. want to do that. Uh, in fact, there's there's <laughs> a lot of shows that my music's probably in that I'm not even aware of because it's, <clears throat> you know, they're they're using them as with what they call in the industry needle drops, you know, background music and stuff. So I only find out after I see it on my ASCAP statements, you know. Yeah, yeah, no, it's the best way. I think it's the best way. It's a surprise sometimes, isn't it? Yeah. When you're looking at things, yeah. you're thinking, "Oh, what was on that? I don't know about that." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, re recently I had it? a recently I had a piece of music that w that's on the Rachel Ray show, and uh, oh wow, I, I I didn't know that, and then I I got a check for it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> oh, fantastic, fantastic. Um, was it uh, was it always keyboards for you then when you were when you first get into music, well, or were you no. always in, you into other instruments? No, well? I mean keyboards now. Yeah, I, I live and breathe keyboards now. But in those days, if you if you go back to my uh, you know kind of when I was just formulating who I was, I I really didn't play I played keyboards and I played guitar but those weren't instruments that I was pursuing as career models you know uh, oh, yeah. I was singing I was a singer songwriter guy 
that's what I wanted to do. And the only reason why I picked up a guitar was because I was tired of singing other people's songs and explaining to them how the, how mine were supposed to go. <laughs> Very frustrating yeah, yeah. for a young singer at 16, you know? Uh, oh, yeah. So I was like, I got a Dad, I need a guitar. So I got a guitar, and I started learning guitar, and that was a lot of fun because uh, I was able to finally figure out chords and make my own songs. And uh, but I had been taking years of theory and and, you know, classical music training, even though it wasn't applied to an instrument. It was just learning how music works. So I, I could read and write music uh, and understand what I was looking at. But I didn't apply. I, I learned weird. Most people, they they learn an instrument and they learn how to read music and stuff based on the instrument that they're trying to, um, you know, apply that knowledge to. And for me, there was no instrument. I was just learning music. You know, it was just yeah, something, yeah. something I was doing. And then by the time I was about 15, there was a piano in the house, and uh, it was an old antique piano, and nobody really played it. And I was looking at it, and I, it just, it just, it just, I don't know. There was something magical about a piano. And uh, when I sat down and started banging on it, I realized, wait a minute, wait a minute. Here are all the notes. This is all my, all my. Uh, you know, classical harmony training was right there on the damn keyboard. How easy this is. So I taught myself <laughs> how to play piano because that was the instrument. And I, you know, I still play guitar, but I, I basically, uh, you know, didn't continue as a guitarist, although I do play, uh, you know, I play in the studio and I, I still play with some other bands, but primarily I'm a keyboard player. And, and it took me till I was about 15 to realize that's the instrument I need to be working on. No, I can see that, yeah. No, because like obviously, like I've been looking at your website before, I can see what your live, your live, your live rig, and I don't know how update this was, where how much, how much material, how much keyboards you've got, and um, I say it's an incredible amount of so, that is keyboard. So, do you find um obviously then for obviously looking at your live rig here, is it? I'm guessing as well from looking at this because there's no point I can name them all, but. Things change all the time. I know that from technology. Yeah. Do you find that like your, your studio rig is probably about twice as big as your live rig is with various sorts of keyboards? Well, it depends. Well, no. I mean, maybe it depends on what the job is. Um, I, as a, as if you, you know, if my own preference, my personal preference is I like what they call electromechanical keyboards, real keyboards. You know, piano, Rhodes, Wurlitzer, Hammond, clavinet. I love those old instruments, and they're big and heavy. And I'm fortunate that uh, in my little collection, I, you know, I have a piano, but I also have uh, a 73 Rhodes, and I have a Wurlitzer 200A. I've got a Hammond B3, um, you know, and those those are my go-tos. You know, I just if you just want to play and not have to think, and they they're just beautiful instruments, and they just do the job, you know. And there's a reason why those instruments are, are still uh, you know, valuable today to, to musicians. On the other hand, um, many of the bands and even Survivor, you know, a lot of stuff is digital, and it has to be because you know you got it's easier to move. It's uh, you have more access to things. Um, but I have a you know, there's no there's no you know there's no uh, it's there's no limit to what you know whatever the job is. You know, I'll 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 make it work. You know. 
Yeah, yeah. No, I get it completely I mean, I'm, I'm with not, that one. Straight. I'm not sure I answered your question, but... <laughs> oh, it sounds good, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. no, it sounded good to me. That's fine. So, yeah, I got that straight away. So, and obviously, that said, with the, obviously, the equipment you've got nowadays and your approach, obviously, to where you work is always constantly evolving and changing straight away with that. So, now, have you actually, obviously, when you do live then, obviously, at the moment, live at the moment, obviously, is on lockdown where we are. And I'm presuming it's where you are as well then, really, isn't it? You're not been able to gig very much at the moment, have you then? Well, that is the 800-pound gorilla in the room. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, also that's, that's away, the so. unfortunate, uh, that's what's going down right now. Uh, no, I'm not able to do what I'm supposed to be doing. It's pretty depressing. Yeah, it's the same for me because I'm a writer, really, when I'm not in work. And it's like, it's been difficult because I, I gig all the time with a poet, really. And it's been really, really difficult. You collect, all the venues are shut around here at the moment completely. Yeah. And it's like, we're just, I think a lot of it is we're just finding other things that are other ways of being creative at the moment. Well, it's it's, like I said, it's, it's really destroyed the, the music industry, at least from a performance perspective. There, it, it doesn't exist right now. Yeah, of course. No. I mean, you we'll have to think, I mean, it's not just, you know, I know that there's there's Zoom shows and there's, you know, a few shows that you can you can tune into, but the, the you have to think about the industry too. I mean, there's there's the entire touring industry that is, you know, there are hundreds, thousands, hundreds of thousands of people that are behind you know, not everything from catering to drivers to roadies sound engineers and they're not working yeah of course you know it's it's, no, a, yeah. it's a huge industry that's that's been affected not just the musicians it's it's everybody down the line and it's it's devastating this industry is just gutted it's just terrible right now at least yeah, it is in, i think it is around the world but certainly yeah. in the states yeah no it's pretty bad word over in manchester in england and there's absolute at the moment. There's absolute next to nothing open because our government at the moment are about to uh, just start announcing tears. It's going to get worse. Like, you know, yes, yeah, it got worse. That's what I heard, Definitely. right? England's getting a little yeah. worse. Yeah, we in are in terms of the lockdowns. And yeah, it's, yeah. It's just I, mean, I think it's doing strange things to people at the moment, really, as well. So, well, a lot of it would be is, as like I said, is just to hope we can pull out of it, really. So, yeah. What what. what what I take it then, obviously, have you been finding other projects to keep yourself going and during lockdown? Have you really then? Have you well, just trying to do uh, things? You know, yeah. I mean, I, I I'm still doing the things I was doing before w when I wasn't playing, which is writing. I I just released a couple songs. They're on Spotify. Some new songs that I'm recording, my own. Um, I started to release some of my, not just songs of me, you know, my my actual rock songs and stuff, but I'm also releasing. Uh, I just recently released a, a whole album's worth of some music I've written for TV and film. Oh, fantastic. So I'm, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just remastering and mixing and trying to stay busy. Yeah, I can get you played with that. You just have to hope like that. Hope things improve. And that's all we can really do at the minute. Definitely with that one. So like it's, um, I, I take it obviously, like I said, it's, it's that be the case when Survivor basically when. When things obviously get back to normal, then you guys perhaps perhaps start gigging again and really can't you and doing who knows what basically and as things improve, yeah, it's very, very hard to judge at the moment, definitely. Um growing up then, obviously, out of interest, was there any sort of favorite music you like listen to 
was a what did you grow up listening to music wise? Yeah. Well, you know, I'm I'm a little I mean, I've listened to everything through the years, you know. I mean I, I have my favorite artists and I have people that I that I do like. But you know, it's hard for me to I don't know if you how do I explain this, but I don't know if you've heard this before, but as a musician, as somebody that's, you know, really immersed in music, um, sometimes listening to music is a different kind of an experience than it would be perhaps if I was doing something else and music was just purely for enjoyment. Because when I listen to music, I end up analyzing it too much, <laughs> you know? And so, oh. uh, so I, I tend to, uh, I don't always listen to the things that I write anymore um, just because it's, it, it it allows me to to kind of just be involved in the music and not and not uh, not analyze what I'm listening to. Certainly with pop songs, I'm always analyzing them. You know, I'm always listening to. Well, there's the hook. Oh, how long did it take to get there? And you know, the formula. And and sometimes I get bogged down in that. So the enjoyment of listening to some songs is kind of kind of difficult sometimes. Um, but with that said, uh, you know. I, I mean, I could name tons of artists that I, I, I love, you know, that that I've listened to. Um, is that what is that what you're asking? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Oh, I was always just curious. Who well, people I mean, I can tell about. you, I can tell you who people that I've been influenced from through the years. I mean, we can start with the '80s. I mean, you know, Howard Jones and and uh, Thomas Dolby, uh, Brian Ferry, Peter Gabriel, Sting. These are all people that I've been. Uh, you know, extremely influenced by, um, yeah, yeah, of course. you know, and, and Annie Lennox and, you know, just, I could go on and on. Oh yeah, completely. Uh, have you found and been a musician like yourself, the years like yourself and has there been any, what you to miss famous people like you've met really apart from your work with a guy in Survivors? Um, well, yeah, I, I've met with a, you mean in terms of not in a not working relationship, you mean? relationship sorry yes i remember vague today <laughs> i can tell i'm getting tired <laughs> well um uh i remember i <laughs> there was i had an audition i was really young i was probably 20 maybe maybe younger and um i i was i, I was still kind of still kind of acting stuff you're doing doing you know it's toward the end of it and i got a call back in those days Music videos were cast just like movies. Maybe they are still. I don't know, but but they they were always cast like movies back then. So the 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 labels would go to casting agents as if they were m movie productions, and so it wouldn't be unusual to get a call to go on a music video. And uh, I get this call, and uh, I go on the. I don't know who it is, and I get there, and I they call my name, and I go in, and it's Dennis D. Young from Sticks, and Ooh, he's there. And he was doing the video for his, I think, Desert Rose, his solo album, right? You know, um, and which didn't do that good in the States, as it turned out. But um, and that was a big thrill for me because I, I didn't want the job at all. I didn't care. I just wanted to talk to him about his keyboard rig. <laughs> <laughs> I think he got pissed. <laughs> it was weird, too, because uh, I had to hug him in the audition. It was, you know, it was like a dad and a son kind of thing. And I, I, it just felt awkward to me. I was like, I, I just wanted to talk to him about, about songwriting and singing and music. And I think I totally fanboyed all over. And I, I don't think, <laughs> I don't think I, I made a good impression. And I knew I wasn't going to get the gig and I didn't care. <laughs> you know? But that yeah, was, you know, I get you sometimes. You know, that, yeah, you do. But interesting, you know, touring with Survivor, I've, uh, you know, we've come off the stage and we've, we've, 
and him and his band have, you know, Dennis DeYoung's sticks, um, were performing. So, you know, I've kind of bumped into them, you know, years later. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, with you obviously perform with Survivor then, do you feel like your music out, the way you do some of your songs and stuff has, has changed over time with it? But I'm always a believer in anybody you work with in any projects, you get something out of it and your outlook changes and everything you do, a musician, writing, anything really. So you're saying, you're asking me if, if Survivor's changed my outlook on music? Change, change where you do songs and like where no. you... you I would say no. Uh, The reason being is that, remember, Survivor's got a 40-year history. And their their songs are considered to be, you know, hallowed ground. (laughs) You know what I mean? Uh, High on you and can't hold back. Um, Yeah, of course. You know, the search is over. These are are beautiful, you know, well-known songs, you know, legendary songs. So I kind of see myself, the job itself is not just really keyboard player, but it's a steward of history. And so, yeah, yeah, no. so you know, it, it wouldn't, I wouldn't be doing my job. I wouldn't be doing the right thing if I was, you know, recreating them in, in my own, you know, in my own way. I'm, I'm, my, my whole point is that when people come to see a Survivor show, you, you want to remind them of what it was like when they were 18 sitting in the audience. So you don't want to distract them with any new kind of, you know, it's a different kind of. I, I'll be honest, it's it's a very different kind of discipline when you're playing in a in a legendary band. You know, there's there's a certain responsibility I feel I have to the audience and to the material. So it doesn't lend too much to creativity in that in that way that you were asking. Yeah, yeah, of course, I should have thought that before. Yeah, and of course, that does make sense indeed. Yeah, we be doing songs that are so established like that as well. So yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah, because of course I was looking at the lineup in Survivor before as well. And obviously, like I said, is the lineup obviously has changed over the years. Oh, like quite said a now. bit. Yeah, quite, quite, yeah. quite a bit. They've had a lot of different members through the years, mostly keyboard players and bass players. Um, the band, you know, the band's kind of a strange band. They're kind of schizophrenic. They've had two lead singers that were both very famous, you know, for what they did. <laughs> Oh you know. yeah, and, uh, you had um, there's not uh, obviously it's not my story to tell, but yeah, I can certainly see like it. Yeah, yeah. So before, there were two, two yeah. quite major singers. And yeah, a few Dave, other people as well. well. Dave Bickler, the first singer, he he's known for the Eye of the Tiger. He he sang the first three albums, and when he left the band for um, he had he had vocal issues apparently. Uh, you know, most bands don't survive that. No pun intended. Yeah. No pun intended there. Um, you know. And they brought in another singer, and they went on to huge, bigger success than they had. You know, uh, Jimmy Jameson I, came in on Vital Signs, huh? Completely, it's incredible. Yeah, like you, you get a lot of fans that are in one camp or the other. You know, you get guys that are, you get people that are interested in. You know, they 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 like the band when Dave Bickler was in, and other people are like, no, Jimmy's the guy. So there's there's a lot of that, you know. Um, their their catalog is uh, pretty daunting for any singer, and I think Cameron Barton, who is the singer now, he's about 26. He's phenomenal. He's he's able to cover both, you know, both. Uh, you know, yeah, I noticed that. So yeah, yeah. To him, like I said, like yeah. just to take all that on, like it would probably leave more, certainly more older singers. In some cases, really nervous about it. Definitely so. 
Yeah. Well, yeah, that's the thing. This guy, this kid basically has no preconceived. He, he's not, he's not nervous because <laughs> he's, he doesn't realize just how, what, what, a, what an, you know, I'm sure he knows that it's, it's a pretty cool legendary situation, but he doesn't have, he didn't, you know, let's face it. He was, he was born when the band had broken up by then. Yeah, of course it would be. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's then. not like me, yeah. you know, that would, you know, Jimmy Jameson. Oh my God, you know, for him, it's like, oh yeah, I heard of him, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, it would be like I said. Yeah. Oh so, God, so yeah. maybe there's some, you know, uh, uh, a method to their madness when you know, getting a younger guy, it's probably pretty helpful, you know, in that sense. Yeah. There's no preconceived, uh, you know, predetermined kind of kind of stigma that they have to live up to. Yeah, they say something to youth as well, don't you? can be like, do things fearlessly, can't they? Yeah. And when you get older, what do they, our age. What do they say? Uh, think, uh, bliss is ignorant? Or ignorance is bliss or something? You know? bliss. Yeah. Bliss, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, of course, completely. Like, yeah, you do. It's like, I certainly like, it makes me smile. Like, I'm thinking, yeah, yeah. like it's... I've had the age I am now. Like I, got, but, I couldn't have gone and done it straight off the cuff. Like, give respect to him. <laughs> well, you know, Frank Sullivan, Frankie Sullivan, the guitar player, he's still in the band, and he, you know, he's credited with writing all their songs with Jim Peterick. He's the original guy. He started the band, and uh, and you have uh, Billy Ozello, who's the bass player, who's been in the band since '95. So I, he's kind of like, pretty much, you know almost a lifer, <laughs> you know? So, you know, unfortunately the, the drummer, the original drummer, Mark Drubay, uh, has some health issues at this time in his life. So he's not touring with them anymore. So the band's, you know, pretty much down to Frankie. That's, that's really it. You know, it would be one that, yeah, of course. Yeah. I was reading about Frankie's profile before. Yeah. And it's like, you get, like I said, it was like some bands like that, aren't they? like ACDC and stuff like that. Everyone always thinks, of, like I said, of the, the guitar is Angus Young nowadays, and like, and it's just you get a stage like it's, in your case, it's a pleasure for you to keep playing a band like this, and I can well imagine it. Yeah, we definitely with that one. Well, it's a thrill, you know, that's for sure. It's it's pretty interesting. I mean, I'm in other bands, and um, they're they're a bit more, you know, I have a little bit more creative room to to be myself because they're they're you know we're not we're not uh, a forty year old legendary you know thing but um but there's something to be said about you know with respect to survivor it's a very um it's a very exhilarating thing to have fans just love the songs you know and just know every word and know everything you know that and oh, that, that's a real exciting thing for a musician oh God, i've got to ask you an officer then musician that you are then and i whenever I speak to musicians i like to know about funny stories they've got they've encountered over the years. Not ones that we can obviously we get us thrown off the air and stuff. Is, it, is there any always stories that stick in your head as a musician, like funny things that happened every now and then or gigs that were always a bit unusual for you? You know, I, I have to, div I have to, uh, if, if I had a story, I think I, I, I'd stick, I'd stick with Survivor uh, because, you know, like I said, they're, they're a legendary band and they have, you know, their fans have been around for as long as we've been around, you know? And, um, yeah. and so, uh, when I, I'll tell you this one story. I think it's pretty, pretty cool. It, it, it was my first gig with them and we had, uh, we've been rehearsing in Chicago and then I think we had a gig in Indiana or something. I can't remember where it was. And so 
during soundcheck, and I had not played with them yet other than a few rehearsals. And, uh, you know, the songs, the, the search is over. Uh, it's a ballad. And it's a piano ballad. And uh, before the song starts, Frankie says, hey, just play a little, you know, something to, to introduce the song. And so I, I said, oh, you mean something like this? And I played something. He goes, yeah, that's good. He said, but no, longer. I'm like, okay, like this. He goes, no, you know what? Just, you'll figure it out. I'm like, oh, okay. I, I guess I'll figure it out. So we get to that part. The show's going. Everything's, you know, first time I'm playing with them. So it's, there's a lot on the line for me and, and, and for them too, you know. And uh, we get to that portion of the show where, where we're going to do The Search is Over all the lights come down, one spotlight on me, and everybody got off stage. And I'm <laughs> and I'm sitting there with the piano, and the you know, and three thousand Survivor fans staring at me. And I'm like, holy shit! I didn't expect that. You could have told me. Um, so I I did what any uh, you know, any, <laughs> I think what what any uh, um you know, uh, attention loving musician would do. I just went into this huge piano solo and I got the crowd going. And then, uh, that went on for about a good 10 minutes. Really, really cool piano solo I did on my own. I just made it up on the spot. Um, they kept it in the show ever since. (laughs) Oh, I like it. Yeah. I like it. You you talk about nerve wracking, you know? Good grief. Yeah. That would have absolutely, destroyed me <laughs> well you know my my I had two thoughts i said well uh they left the stage so i guess it's my show now you know what am i gonna do nothing so i just dove right in i just started playing really you know some blues and some cool stuff and had a good time and i got the crowd going and it just worked great and then we've kept it in the show ever since so i must i must have done something they liked they took a chance. Yeah. You know, I gotta give I gotta give I gotta give Frankie credit. He's got some balls, man. You know, he didn't know me. Didn't know if I was yeah, gonna yeah. choke, you know. <laughs> really? really of course I wouldn't have, oh. but that's not the point. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Right, we're start we're starting to run out of time now, unfortunately, to be honest with you now, Jeff. So obviously um, I always like to ask people to conclude if people want to find out more about you. Where are the best going? The best place to find me is on my website. It's got all my social media links and Facebook and YouTube. <clears throat> so my website is uh, www.jeffreybryanmusic.com, spelled J-E-F-F-R-E-Y-B-R-Y-A-N music, M-U-S-I-C.com, jeffreybryanmusic.com. That's the best way. Perfect. I'll make sure. I'll make sure we get we, we get you put down for that straight away. So that sounds perfect, me. So Thank well, you, that's Andy. all my questions. Yeah, and it's been a pleasure. I have really enjoyed it. So as I always say, hang around because obviously when we stop recording in a minute, I need a quick word of you anyway off mic. So yeah, that's but, fine. I, okay. Thank you again. If you can, if you can you, stop the recording for me now. 